Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. Hello, we're the Kransky Sisters on Joy Joy 94.9. Hello and welcome to Been There Done That on Joy 94.9. It's lovely to have you at the other end of this device, this hearing device. So whether you're listening to us on air on 94.9 in Melbourne or on a podcast or on the internet, welcome to our little history program. Yes, we're radio without pictures. And Phil, that's probably a bloody good reason, isn't it? Well, it's no, it's good that we don't have pictures. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I think it's television without pictures. <laughs> well, it still works. It still works. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And after all, let's face it, we wouldn't make the top quartet trio, whatever is in this room, as in a beauty pageant, would we? Well, thank you, Gordon. Speak for yourself. <laughs> beauty is on the inside. That's right. Yes. So we should introduce ourselves, would be the right but, word. But I've already named you. No, you haven't. But yes, you, I that, did. Not in order. <laughs> All right, then. I'm Chris. I'm Gordon. I'm Phil. I'm Lance. Oh, we've got another voice in yeah. the studio. Oh, I did say quartet in my little remark about the, yes. the beauty of the place. And can I just say something? There are three of us amongst us that I reckon are, if you do all right on television, you look pretty good. Oh, thank you. Oh, he's not naming names, though. (laughs) (laughs) Not naming names. I'll just sulk in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) No, there we are. Uh, Thank you indeed. Yes, Lance is joining us because he's done the Taste of Radio course here in Joy, and now he needs a little bit of practical experience. That's for sure. A lot. (laughs) So we're letting him sit in on the show and contribute a little bit as he sees fit to get his confidence up in any... Of course, doesn't need any encouragement. Neither do you. Oh, I, 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 I can turn your mic off. Hello. I'm not even going to talk. <laughs> I'm not even going to talk. <laughs> <laughs> We've been watching a video this morning with yourself on it from yes, the year have. 2000. I know. At the old Joy Studios. In South Melbourne. It was very, very spooky, that. nearly as old as some of the topics we're going to talk about today. You have (laughs) aged well, though. Oh, thank you indeed, yes. well, those 17 years There there are reasons behind that. Oh, uh, I see. I think one of the... A couple of the main reasons that I'm volunteering, but secondly, I'm volunteering at Joy, and it's the... uh, the opportunity to be part of a family, be part of an organisation and contributing and seeing the end product. Even every little contribution makes a difference. Is that not so, Lance? That is for sure. I agree with you, yes. that's. I'd like to contribute a lot more. That's one of the reasons why I'm here, to try and sort of... But you have found a second family, haven't you? 
especially with your other front desk peoples. Yes. Are you talking about at Joy or? Yes. Well, socially. Socially, yes. Yep. Actually, where I come from, down in Frankston, the Out on the Peninsula group, they're a a relatively new group. They have 150 members now, and uh, it's a fantastic thing for the Peninsula. Wow, that's good. And I noticed that you go out lunching sometimes with your when you're not on duty here at Joy. Yes, I go out with some of the members from Joy, from Julia Julia and Robert. Julian and Robert, and sometimes I go out with Betty, our ph- lovely photographer, mm-hmm. and we... You're a little gad about, aren't Jeff, you? We, yes, we <laughs> have groups in amongst groups. Yeah, well, that's fine. Yeah. But we're all friendly. And that's it's always good to go out with a photographer and see what develops. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. Oh, right. yes, yeah. Coming up next, oh, in about 10 days' time, and we're giving a lots of advance notice of this, is a regular occurrence that's been... Mounted by the City of Melbourne Council since about 2008. And that is an opportunity for us, the rate-paying peoples of Melbourne, to go and look behind the normally sealed doors of some of our buildings. It's called Open House Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not actually houses, most no. of them. Most of them are big business places like Parliament House and and places where you can go in and do a tour around the Parliament House. I can remember the, they, when they were doing it one weekend and the queue to get into Parliament House was huge, absolutely enormous to get in and have a look around and see what goes on in Parliament House. Well, I had a look through this year's list mm. and I noticed that the 3CR studios All right. were open and 3RRR, I think, were open. All right. And I went through the list looking under J for the joy and we're not doing it. No, but it might well be that we can organise ourselves in time for next year. Be a good idea. Great we idea. could. Mm. Plus, any time one of our members wants to come in and have a look around, they're free to do so. Well, they certainly are. That's right. Thank you for reminding us. Yes. Can I just uh, say, sorry, is it all if I yeah. just say, a uh, couple of years ago, just in Russell Place, just around the corner from here, they opened up downstairs mm. behind one of the bars there, and it's a power, it was a power station. And it's got all the D, the old DC power transformers and that, and it is very interesting. If you get a chance to go and have a look at that, oh. it is sensational. I wouldn't. Well, I would hope that whatever the transformers were cooled with is a safe uh, medium. It's uh, <laughs> they got uh, very oil, and it's not. They, they used to poisonous. use things that had letters like PCP. Yes, mm, they which is not. Not a health drink. I, I tell you, one, one thing I'd like to see them open at some stage is the tunnel that goes between the old GPO here in Burke Street to Spencer Street. There's a tunnel that used no, to take no, the no, mail. No, 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 it wasn't from the GPO. Wasn't it? Where was it? It was from that building, the mail exchange on the corner of Burke and Spencer. Mm-hmm. That's now a hotel. Mm-hmm. That was where the oh, mail that, was sorted. Oh, just there. And just then it was pushed bit. underground yeah, across to the platforms. So, so that, that's no connection to the first phone lines that we had in Melbourne that went from Parliament House to no. the Red Light District. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was up in um, back the back of Little uh, Collins, wasn't it? Well, it was before my time. I, I don't know where the actual Collins, structures yes, were. Yes. But this is the beauty, isn't it, that we in fact can find out so much about our city by going and inquiring of behind the scenes in the 300 or so buildings that are going to be available for us to look at. The few week times that you went 
probably it was very interesting for everybody. They don't need to go back and see those people, no, those can, buildings you again. You go to somewhere and else. That was when there was maybe only seventy or eighty buildings. Mm. Now there is three hundred. So the interested parties will be having less of an impact. Mm. But the, the, but the point is also you, you want to sort of think about the way they sort of demolish some of these beautiful old buildings just to put up these stupid high-rise apartment complexes and everything you know so you reckon you should get in now get in now they before they wreck <laughs> something else because if you if you go overseas it doesn't happen you know you can go to certain parts of london you're not allowed to build skyscrapers true in, in paris you're not allowed to build skyscrapers in the main part of the city you can out of the city but you can't do it in in the city itself it's all actually controlled um to a certain height you can only think i think it's four stories isn't it Phil, uh, Chris, four stories well, in Paris? Probably I think it's about four, four or five, or five stories. stories yeah. as, as high as you can go. And in the, in the Asian countries, in their resorts, they don't like buildings being taller than the palm trees. Oh, well, that keeps them very and small, And I think, it? Phil, you've got a situation you can report on in the US? In Sunnyvale, where I used to live, nothing is above the tree line, which means as you drive along, you can't actually see Sunnyvale. <laughs> <laughs> which isn't a bad thing but yeah and then you get down the road to san jose and this is well they're not skyscrapers but they're 10 15 stories and mm, it's just mm. not a good look yeah it, but it's just it just annoys me when you see some of these beautiful old buildings being torn down and just to put up these glass fronted skyscrapers yeah. you know. on the 29th and 30th of july 2017 is when the weekend has uh, been named as Open House Melbourne. Now, there are self-guided tours and pre-booked tours, and there is limited uh, mobility access, of course, in some of these buildings that have got the old-fashioned steps in Well, they front. weren't built for wheelchairs, they, were they? they? They weren't, they weren't. And it's not just Melbourne. There's St Kilda with uh, Luna Park. The Box Hill Town Hall is on the list. Yeah. So all sorts of places out of the CBD as well. Oh, good, good. Uh, I think and the Hawthorne Tram... To, uh, depot? That, that, that depot is very very old building that one there right down by the river in um so are the trams yes so are the trams yes. <laughs> now look if you want to really go you can go west and go to the spotswood pumping station mm-hmm. that's is that part of science works yes i think so it yes. is yes it's, you get to see some classic poo <laughs> yes, that's right. Yes. Poo from decades ago. Well, they were t- they, that was an article in the paper on the weekend. They were talking about the what happens after you've flushed the loo. Where does it go? And they were yeah. they were talking all about the Werribee um, sewage plant. Mm. Yes, so I won't. I'll just a little story. When I used to repair computers and printers and such things, I was at the Melton treating treatment plant mm-hmm. in their air conditioned office, and I had otherwise to it would have been Melton. Well, it was pretty hot. It's, Actually, that's why Sunbury is the hottest place in yeah. Melbourne. It's, it's near Melton. <laughs> near Melton. <laughs> anyway, I'm working on this printer, and I have to clean the filter, and it is brown, all this uh, brown dust. Oh. And I don't technically know what it was, <laughs> but I know what I thought it was. It's not dry. to know. I don't ask questions. Something dried in the atmosphere. And got mm. caught in the filter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being with Been There Done That on Joy 94.9. Gordon, Phil, Lance and Chris. Stay tuned because coming up very soon we'll be talking about the space race. Mm-hmm. People throwing rockets into the sky. We'll be talking about Rosetta Stone and how modern technology could have perhaps shortened the period of ignorance about what was written on the Rosetta Stone. And uh, we'll talk about 
anti-cruelty and kangaroos and things like this. Stay tuned, there's more. Here's someone that we can sing along with. From Aqua. Hiya, Bobby. Hi, Ken. You want to go for a ride? Sure, Ken. Jump in. I'm a Bobby girl in the Bobby world. Life in plastic, it's fantastic. You can brush my hair, undress me everywhere. Imagination, life is your creation. Come on, Barbie, let's go party. I'm a Bobby Joy, 94.9. You're indeed with Been There, Done That. Chris, Lance, Phil and Gordon, thanks for being with us. Have you been interested or noticed the uh, funny carryings on? Not so funny, they're Not rather so serious fun. actually. In North Korea, they've, they've been testing some of their new toys. Oh, rockets. Playing with rockets. Yeah. Which would be so nice if it was for celebration and not for attack, but anyway. <laughs> or for other than wartime activities. Yeah, they're not exactly launching satellites, are they? Well, no, or they're certainly not exploring the rest of the world or the universe, are they? Well, they're either. not big communicators, really, are they? They don't have the internet. They don't like talking to strangers, which is the rest of the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they talk to China and they talk to Russia. Yeah, but that's sort of backroom chatter. There's a, there's, a, there's a few people in that one, like when you've got the billions of people in China. After World War Two, there was a lot of science that had been created as part of the war effort, and rocketry was in its infancy at that stage, in the form that we currently know it as. And it was actually put to, to good use rather than evil use. There was a bit of a race before the space race, and that was between Russia and America, to see how many German scientists they could they kidnap, kidnap, basically. <laughs> because the Germans had already perfected the rocket, hadn't they? Oh, they'd, they'd, got they'd, it they'd got it pretty good. over London and the, they were the buzz bombs that yeah. used to come over and then just... The big difference, I guess, between the two teams, we call them that, is that the Americans were a big team and they shared the knowledge with other... Well, the German-Americans shared their knowledge with Americans. Whereas the Russians kept their Germans to themselves and by the end of what we know as the space race most of them had passed away right so mm. their gene pool was in fact diminishing yes. and the knowledge wasn't being shared compared to the US yeah German so whereas early on concept. we'd have Sputnik go up and then America would rush to get something up behind it and that was the real race mm. by the time man landed on the moon which we'll talk about in a second Russians didn't have anything to send to the moon <laughs> didn't have any rockets that would do the job. But then, of course, you had John Kennedy who realised that the, the the Americans had to be leading the race for rockets rather than letting the Russians do it because they'd already put up well, Sputnik and... The it was an extremely embarrassing time for yeah, America yeah, that's because right. the Russians had proven the technology hmm. and sent up Sputnik, which was a, an artificial satellite. And Yuri Gagarin was the first man into space, yeah. of course. And the American rockets were blowing up on the launching pad. That's right. There was a boom every not five, a good look. four or five days at Florida, wasn't there? Now, we don't know how many Russian rockets blew up on the launching no. pad because they weren't sharing that information with us. But it all culminated, I love that word, culminated, on Sunday, July 20th, 1969. Yeah. When a man called Armstrong... Land on the moon. That sounds mm -hmm. like a song. That's, that does, yeah, <laughs> it sounds like a song, doesn't it? 
But 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 the funny part about it was we would not have been able to see that if it hadn't been for Australia. And the, well. Parkes and the Parkes Telescope. Parkes Telescope. Now, why was Parkes important in this whole exercise? Because space is basically 3D and you need to get it get at the rocket from different angles. And we just happened to be pointing the right way at the right time. All right, yeah, okay then. So the Northern Hemisphere was looking at a different part of space yeah. at that particular time. Ah. So we had this dish which we had built for 800,000 pounds in yeah, 1961, I think it was finished. So they've been sitting there just doing radio physics and staring were, at the sky. And yeah, but they were sort of looking for outside influences, weren't they? Yeah. And, and NASA contacted them in 1966. And specifically in 68, they asked to be involved with the Apollo mission for Apollo 11. Yeah. And what and was Apollo 11 all about? Obviously, it was there, was to ten, get, there was 10 rockets before it. Well, there weren't really. No? The... I think Apollo 5 might have been the first um, that actually had a launch pad and one of the early Apollos blew up because and killed astronauts. They were mm. using pure oxygen for mm. the, the cabin and it would just take one little spark and it literally blew itself up. But the um, Apollo 11 mm. achieved the goal that Kennedy sent out was set out in 61, I think, with his speech. Yeah, somewhere. And it was quite a, a deliberately worded where they would send a man to the moon and bring him back. Whoa. <laughs> by the because end that's by the, by end, the end of the, end decade. Of the decade. Yes, yes. Which he didn't see, but they got there within six months. Hmm. And it was an extremely risky mission. The technology of the 1960s had been pushed <laughs> maybe beyond its limits yeah. to the point of when the capsule or the, the landing, the lunar module actually landed, it had like three seconds of fuel left. Wow. So their landing might have been a little bit bumpy. Yeah. Back then, and, and were, oh, sorry, but back then were they talking about getting man to the moon and back again or had they back then in, in the 61, were they considering actually having men walking on the moon? Oh, no, the plan was to walk on the to moon. To walk on the moon, But okay. also to bring him home. Right. Because it would be relatively easier to just dump him there. And you probably would have got a volunteer or two. But, um, yeah, they, they had to prove the technology they could actually launch from the moon and rendezvous the, with the, the capsule and come back home. up into, the, into space so that the other um, part of this rocket could capture and it. And wasn't it home. that rather powerful concept that the president of the US actually carried forward compared to... What's happening at the moment? Well, he had a vision, Kennedy. Yeah. And now we have a, a hotel operator. Well, we have a vision. We see him nearly every night. Mm. It's, it's yeah. wrecking my television. Yeah. But, but the, yeah, it's a completely different concept today. But of course, you've now got co cooperation between the Russians and the Americans and other other countries with their um, spacecraft. That well, is we've, floating we've had around that the since time. the 70s. Yeah, that's right. It's been floating around there all the time. They just set up a rocket with somebody on it and bring the people that are up there. They bring them back home and they put some more up there. Yeah, they, they, they used to have to a work. thing called Skylab, mm. which was a, a converted Apollo capsule. And it was in a, well, like everything, in a decaying orbit. And parts of it landed over Perth. That's right. Not on a runway. <laughs> uh, no. Little pieces. Yep. But there, were, but there, were several rockets have landed in uh, per in in, w in Australia actually out in the fortunately well, out in the. In we're the, a pretty big footprint. Yeah, yeah. 
but they seem to always land in the middle of the country, which is rather good. Doesn't sort of do any damage to cities or whatever. But you could imagine what would happen if something like that came hurtling out of space. It, most of it would burn up anyhow, wouldn't it, as it entered the um, atmosphere? Yeah, yeah. But I was just thinking of a major piece of space junk landed on Canberra. It might do billions of dollars worth of improvement. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Australia has had various experience in rocketry as well because there was the Woomera rocket range Mm -hmm. and they actually built a pad where the rocket would sit and it had a special part built so that the when the blast from the rocket came out the end of the rocket and it was building up pressure to to release and go skywards all this uh, hot air and gas and everything was blown out over the deserts. Do you know what that cloud is? No. I learnt this when I was in Florida. I may show off for a moment. You'd have a huge rocket sitting there, and it's blowing out tons and tons of exhaust at temperatures I can't even imagine. And those clouds of what we think is smoke coming out the side is actually steam because the launch pad is flooded with millions of gallons of water to absorb the energy that would just burn a hole in the ground otherwise. Oh, wow. And we see clouds of steam. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was, you know, rocket smoke <laughs> as a kid. <laughs> but um, no, the fact is they, they cool the pad down. Yeah, and mm. so we've had rocket science, we've had the telescopes and radio control, mm-hmm. and now the government is actually talking about setting up a space agency of our own mm. because we seem to have quite a few experts in CSIRO and some of these other places that need to be put to much better use. Well, they're talk- actually talking about they were trying to th- think about growing potatoes on Mars, weren't they? That was a big uh, thing well, just a few weeks know, ago. Just yeah, just got to get Vasily in Yeah, yeah we, get the, we get the dinglings out of it but then they then they've gone and they found out what that red spot is in jupiter or whatever it is and then well they've, they've had a flyby they've had a flyby yeah yes. but that would but never have been potatoes and mars would be good because it's so cold they would come back frozen oh we wouldn't thank you oh, very good. much okay oh look we've got a little piece of music here i'm sorry to say that celebrates what's well, space related it, it is, is space, space related, related. Mm-hmm. and um i'm not sure exactly where it came from but it's uh, Bobby Dimple and the Lunar Ladies Choir. And let's just say that people at the time were very excited about the space race and And the achievements. So they were very happy. And you kids who've never heard of this before... Sit down. You'll never want to hear it again either. (laughs) (laughs) You're on joy. One small step for a man one giant leap for mankind. Ooh. There's an American flag on the moon tonight, flying red and blue and white. There's an American flag waving on the moon, waving on the moon tonight. There's an American flag, can't you see? Sitting on the sea of tranquility, there's an American flag waving on the moon, waving on the moon tonight. I'm not a bit neurotic, not a bit psychotic. Oh no no, I'm only patriotic. Gloria, what a kick! I'm a luna, una, luna, una, lunatic. It's an American moon, if you please. Refer to it now as American cheese. Stars and stripes light up the Milky Way. 
heard our heavenly right to say The man in the moon is a citizen of the USA Stand up and brag for your grand old flag Waving on the moon tonight Waving on the moon tonight This Joy program has a podcast and you can subscribe to it at joy.org.au Yes, indeed, this show does have a podcast and you can go back and listen to some of our earlier programs if you get on your computer. We're available on iTunes. We are. Mm -hmm. That's one of the places that people get all their choice of podcasts. And when our website is feeling better, which will be very, very soon, you'll be able to go to our webpage for being there but done that and hear some of our recent podcasts. And after hearing that, you may wish to write to us. That's a good idea. Which you can do with your little email machine. Yes. And send it to there at joy.org.au. We'll take any messages, even We'd abusive like letters. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. was that song that you played? Don't ever do that again. We're happy to apologise. <laughs> After think, the think, event. Yes. It's very cute, really, because it was a it was just it was sent it was part of a review that was performed. Yeah. But it, it does capture the feeling of the time because it was extremely exciting. Oh yeah. This was huge news around the world and America's got it right. That's right, yeah. And, and by Apollo twelve that had rockets go up every six months or so and nobody cared anymore. Yeah. Sort of blah. Yeah. Yeah. What, what? You interrupt my movie to show me what? Yeah. <laughs> Well, it was. It is the last frontier for man to discover. Well, space. Well, the space, final frontier. The final. Oh, These yeah. are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, <laughs> which was the name of one of the early space shuttles. Yeah. Uh, moving right along. <laughs> moving right along. Thank you, Phil, and thank you, Gordon. Thank you, Lance. Let's let's go back in a bit into history. People had been recording their history in various ways, probably. Uh, important things as well as mundane things like shopping lists or the crops that have been producing well that particular year and how many bags of grain were stored for winter, etc. And they would record this on various media. Well, yes, like usually a clay tablet or something rather they'd have to carve yes, into or, or something. or scratch yeah. it on a piece of slate. Or cave wall. Indeed, or even getting some soft clay, writing the words or the hieroglyphics into it and letting the sun bake it and... There it was forever, basically. There it was until mm. it sort of got wet and melted away. Mm, but mm. there was particularly one wonderful stone which has been named the Rosetta Stone. And it contained some hieroglyphics that no one could interpret. You know why it's called the Rosetta Stone? You're going to tell me, aren't you, Gordon? It's pink. It's pink granite. Right. Yeah, it's got a very pink tinge about it when you see it. It's got this pink tinge, and some of the writing carved into it has got a real deep pink colour to it. Mm. So you're saying roses are red, violets are blue. Yeah, and this stone was eventually red too. Ah, that was humour. <laughs> oh, no. That was that was red in not a colour, uh, but term. in red as an interpreter. Reeded. There were two other versions of the same story. It would seem on this particular stone, and it wasn't until some person had actually decided that it was the same story on the three faces that they could actually start to combine everything from all three versions and come up with interpretations of the two 
scripts that were not known because the one script that was known was Greek. Yeah, but it was ancient Greek. It was, it was just a bit different. Greek, there, there, yeah. was, there was one bloke that knew how to read ancient Greek and he was he could interpret finished up interpreting that and then realized that the other two languages on the stone were probably saying the same thing. It's all Greek to me. Yeah. But imagine we can actually do that these days with computers because mm. of the brain power involved. Well, the, the term today is there's an app for that. Uh, <laughs> Whereas you, you hold your, your tablet, yes. not mentioning a brand name, over a text running an app that will translate from the text to English. Will it really? And it does it live. It's, mm. it's fascinating to watch. Mm. So you can put sort of Chinese or something rather on a piece of Chinese paper and you could hold this map and it'll read you the tablet English. over and, and read it in English. Yep. Oh, God. Which would be great for menus. Yes. No, you just say number 36 or number 45. That's all you have to do when you go to a Chinese restaurant. Or in just Japan, you just go to the front window and point, point to the wax models. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Although you do run the risk of getting a wax model <laughs> for your dinner. <laughs> No, but the, but the it's actually the Rosetta, the actual Rosetta Stone is in the Victoria and Albert Museum in London, and it's um it's it would a, be a very valuable device. Yeah, it's not terribly big. It's not a that, very that would be London, Egypt, that we're talking about. No, we're talking about London, London. So the Egyptian artifacts aren't in Egypt. No, they're like the there seem to be a few of them that have gone missing. Like the Elgin marbles aren't in Greece. Yes. yes. Well. However. When you see what has been done by some of the rampant raiders currently oh, in Iraq and Iran and just these, all blowing up all those wonderful yeah. temples oh, and so things. So yes. our, our English ancestors had the foresight to, save to preserve history. Except yeah. if they're they in weren't Melbourne, really if they're buildings in Melbourne. Okay. <laughs> I'll go with that story you're, for now. And, uh, talking about Melbourne, have you seen in it's around about Lonsdale Street, Latrobe Street, there's a church up there that's been pulled down and there were people digging around there that's for the, artifacts. Mm, mm, the archaeologists, Melbourne Archaeologist Society, they, yeah. they they find bits and pieces of what we were like living in the time, you know. Right, yeah, okay. They get shards of things. Yeah. And they dig their work. Yeah. They yeah, they they scrape it actually. And brush it. Yeah. But it's a it's it's interesting what they actually actually find. They find what sort of food people were eating. The dishes and the broken bits of china and all well, the, the bones, mm. of course. We need a volcano. Why? Because then you can get a snap freeze of what was happening at the time. So therefore, we can be rather grateful that there's been some brains that actually sussed out. And what what era are we talking about when the seventeen hundreds discovered when? and and then the solution was considered seventeen hundreds and then the. Uh, 1800s, I think it was by the time they did the um, actual um, inscription interpretation. So they didn't have any modern tools. I wonder if they've actually gone back and used some of these modern apps to actually see if, in fact, the the translation that they did was was close to the mark. Well, they'd have to. They actually have to would would have to put the actual interpretation into the computer first, wouldn't they? Well, they'd have to, the programmer would have to have a working knowledge of ancient Greek. Yes, that's what I'm getting Which would be difficult. Yeah. Um, these other scripts that we talk about, they were like diagrams and just no. different ways of communicating. Hieroglyphics. Hieroglyphics, they were. So, yeah. at the time, it would have taken somebody who could think outside the box yep. Yep. to look at that and realise that they're trying to tell us. 
something something in different forms mm, mm, mm. and to actually go and translate them would have been oh, beyond belief <laughs> well not really because they we've always had human beings that have had been had better brain capacity than other human beings at the time you'd t- take people like copernicus and those people that were looking at the stars and sort of saying that the sun went we went around the sun, not the sun going around us, and this sort of thing. You know, they, they yeah. realised these things were happening. And if, if Whereas the guy in the street <coughs> was out there worshipping the sun. That's right, yeah. And But then you've got all the, how they made uh, the Iranians and the Iraqis in that area invented the um, numbering system and that sort of thing. So there's always been people that have got, the, that's the, the, the brains of human beings developing as we go through the centuries to, to what the, we can The do numbering now. system took a while to develop because they started mm. off with one thing mm. and then they found out you could have two things and it got really advanced and they had more than two things. Mm. But you know what they had real trouble with? Recording nothing, recording zero. That was a concept that was beyond them initially. Well, how would you explain nothing? It's like infinity. How do you explain that to Somebody mm, whose mm. name's Ugg. You're with Gordon, Phil, Chris and Lance. Been there, done that on Joy 94.9. Stay tuned. There's more. You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ community radio station Joy 94.9. You're with Chris, Gordon, Phil and Lance. Been there, done that. Joy 94.9. Our history program. We haven't had pretty much gay history on the show Today, I just wonder what they were doing all those years ago, where we don't have any gay people born on this day. Yeah, well, well, there, well there's only a couple. There speak was speak to their parents. There was um, Sarah Waters, whose birthday is on the twenty first. Yes. And now, what is Sarah Waters known for? Tipping the velvet. Oh, excuse me. Is that a euphemism? Yes, it is. And this is also the title of her book, Tipping the Velvet. And also, has one of her more recent books is called Fingersmith. Yeah, the Fingersmith. Yeah. Now, yes, she She's writes lesbian novels. They're, lesbian. they're rather lesbian themed. Yeah, they, they've got yes. other people in them, but there's always a lesbian character in it who's the leading character in the book. And uh, she, she's a very good writer. She's a very good author. And I think they've telecast the first one, haven't they? Oh, a couple of her books yeah. have gone into yeah. TV production, yeah. that's for sure. I've often wondered about gay books. How, how do you pick a gay book? How do you know it's gay? Oh, usually You have to use your gaydar on the book itself. Yes, no. yes. It's like like that app the, for reading hieroglyphics. You've uh, oh. got to put it over the picture Read on the, the cover. Read the right and, signals. And if it, yeah. Comes right. out rainbow. No, this is where our brain is far better than an app because we've <gasps> got gaydar. Which works a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, not all of the time. Not all of Sometimes the time. Sometimes it gets it wrong. But well, no, that's that's more wishful thinking. It's <laughs> yes. where you wish you could turn Gator around and actually project it onto people <laughs> <laughs> and make them sort of think, "Oh, what's that happening to me?" Oh, yes. God, that <laughs> hasn't worked yet. <clears throat> that guy on the train I saw this morning, he was good. Oh, he was really nice. Oh, yes. your gaydar was you couldn't turn him. Oh, I think he was straight. Yeah. Oh, Lance, Lance that, had that, some that, eye candy. Mm. Eye candy is the expression for the mm. cover of those situations. But we were talking earlier on about apps and things on portable devices. There was the iPad and the iPad Mini, and Mini being small, I presume. But mm. but the, 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 this it's a Macropod. Macropod. That? Yeah, that's um that's an old kind of computer. It jumps around. I think it's called a kangaroo. Oh, hello. Oh, so that's Macropod. 
the first version. The first one, yes. Yes, that's it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Now, thanks for reminding us. So what, what other people or creatures are in the Macropod family? Lions? Well, I would assume... That's Anything that has a, a wallaby, pouch. A, uh, Wobblies, did you say? A wobbly, <laughs> wobblies. Um, anything with a pouch. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. So the rabbit wouldn't be in that. No. Wallaroos. Wallaroos. Paddy melons. Wallaroos, quackers. Um, quackers. What, what are quackers? They're a WA type creature, aren't they? Yes, they are. They, they pose that. for selfies. The first inhabitants of this country <coughs> knew these creatures inside and out. Well, they were food. They were also weather protections because mm-hmm. they would skin them. Yes, and the take fur. the coat. When the Europeans came along, they they adopted the language of the first peoples the who fur. were in that particular area mm. as uh, as the first Europeans arrived. Mm. It was called Ganguru. Ganguru. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't spelled with a K. It was spelled G A N G, Ura, Gangura. Oh yeah. Mm. And that's where they got the kangaroo from. And because the first American that saw a, a kangaroo. What did he do? He said, suffer and suck a <laughs> He was Sylvester the cat. Yeah. Yes. And they opened this crate and this kangaroo got out and he thought it was the biggest mouse he's ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you indeed, yeah. But, but the funny part about it is that the uh, when we, we were talking about language a bit before, I, don't, I think the uh, uh, Australian uh, Aboriginal race was one of the few races that never made a, a, a written history. They didn't write anything down. It was all it was all vo- uh, vocal. It was all mm. passed down from passed generation down. to generation. Yeah. Yeah. Dreamtime stories, yeah. But what about mm-hmm. their paintings, the cave paintings, and that? Well, that's their only paintings, but they're not they're not writings. I you know, see. they're you a know. single object. They're not a yeah, yeah. continuous storyline. And they would have told. They would have said to the um, the white person that wondered what the hell that animal was. They would have said Gangaru, <coughs> or, or however yeah. they said it in there. But what about in song? Timey kangaroo. No, my boomerang won't come back. Oh, right. Yeah, but he <laughs> that's did, history. That's because he didn't have a right bend on it. Uh, I can't see around <laughs> corners. No, no. Uh, so back in 1770, on the 14th of July, the first European sighting of a kangaroo is recorded. Not first time they'd been seen, but it was actually recorded in a paper-based journal to indicate that they'd seen these new creatures that were standing on two big legs and were propped up on the ground with a big meaty tail. Fancy imagining what what it was going to be able to do with you or to you. People would have been used to lions, and this didn't represent anything like a lion, so they probably weren't as scared of it. But Gordon, have you ever seen a kangaroo boxing? Oh God, yeah. yeah. Now, what what happens there? They stand on the back on their tail and they lift up their back legs, and they can absolutely strip you apart if they get hold of you. Wow! They well, they they've got one one huge big thorny claw. Yeah. On their, and two smaller ones on their on their back feet, and they just go back on the thing and just slice you, and they they can rip you apart. They don't do much with their small forearms, legs, whatever, but it's all, all from their back legs, which they yeah. they balance on the back of their tail, and they just go whack. And if they, you've got to be very careful. And what is it with the birthing process for kangaroos? They're only about the size of the tip of your finger when they're born, and they they crawl up inside from the, the from the thing, and they go inside the pouch, and they live there for. Oh, probably a year or and more. And they latch onto the teeth, mm. which is totally incredible that they 
the embryo is such a small, defenseless little creature, mm. but arrives at the end of it is this huge, big grey or red kangaroo. It seems like That's a mighty inconvenient trip for this thing. It's like the navy bean crawling through the fur, mm. looking for the right bit of mum. And it, it knows, knows where, where to, to go. go. Yeah, exactly. Mm. It's amazing. It's that's nature. It's yes. the power of nature. When we first landed here and took over this country, the um, most of the kangaroos were out way out in the back blocks, so they never got to them. They would have found the local um, animals around the the city where they around Port Jackson. They would have got those all right, but there would be thousands more out in the in the open, which is there which there is now. And it seems kangaroos do enjoy each other's company too. Yes. Quite a lot. Yes. A bit like rabbits. Yeah, they do. Yeah, you they see do. them in suburbs, the new suburbs sometimes, where they're building and uh, they're taking away their, their habitat. habitat and we're encroaching. Jumping down the street. It's a bit. I saw that once at my cousin's place in, mm. in Pakenham. It's it was the same. Well, well, it's the same Whoa. with foxes. There are suburban foxes. I've seen, I've seen foxes walking across um, in the P and Highway at Elstonwick. They're, they're everywhere. Foxes apparently everywhere in the city. They're city foxes as well. Yes. Yeah, we had a fox before we moved into the apartment. Did you? And my little Eddie cornered him in the garage. Had oh. no idea what to do with him. <laughs> but the fox had crawled up on top of a, oh, right. a really high shelf. Yeah. Um, I called Eddie back inside, which mm. he really didn't want to do. And the fox ran out and jumped the full-size fence without touching it. Wow. But they're such beautiful animals, though. Yeah. Mm. You yeah. really want to cuddle it, but have a feeling you might lose your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> or worse. It's about time for us to go. Thank you, Lance, for your contribution. Well, thank you for letting me hijack your show again. Oh, well, that's okay. That's okay. He was oh, a bit he, cheekier this time than he was first time. He did time. it with that Sten gun that he's got in his pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hijacking <laughs> the place. <laughs> <laughs> we won't go there. No, we won't. So, thanks for being with us. See you next week. Bye now. Bye for now. Bye from me. Bye from me. And it's good night from him. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.